You know, when you're going through something difficult and you're just waiting to find the the wisdom nuggets from it, like you're just waiting to see like, gosh, what lessons am I going to learn from this? What What's positive that's going to come from this? Well, that's what I'm talking about today is I'm taking a little pause on my people-pleasing recovery path just to stop and turn around and look and see how far I've come. And I drop about, I don't know, I lost count, like seven seven teachings, seven things that uh, people-pleasing has taught me over the years as I've been diving in and in recovery. So if you need a little inspiration to keep going on your path of people-pleasing recovery, then keep listening because I think you'll probably your ears will probably perk up on at least a few of these things on the list. And I also want to support you and continuing just to take one step forward because mm, these wisdom nuggets, uh, yeah, it's taken me uh, years, (laughs) some of them years to really get clear and solid and confident in. So enjoy the episode. I'll see you in a few. Hey, it's Vicki Smith. Welcome to Power to the Pleasers podcast. Want to start doing things on your terms and finally feel confident just being yourself in relationships? Well, you've landed in the right place. Here we break down your people-pleasing and perfectionistic patterns so you can move from being polite and doing it right to showing up, speaking up, and even laughing it up with people. Not sure it's possible? Well, stick around, friend. I'll show you how. y'all. I hope you're well. As I have decided to appreciate my journey (laughs) instead of wishing I had uh, figured things out sooner and saved myself a lot of grief, I just asked myself recently, you know, I wonder what my people-pleasing has taught me. And I actually came up with like a handful of things. And I just wanted to throw these out there to you today in hopes that Some of you might be on the path with me around feeling like you're learning from patterns that you might describe as unhealthy, um, but that you're actually learning something from dissecting and spending some more time with those parts of your personality and those particular behavioral strategies, if you will. So I'm just going to kind of go through some bullet points today or um, so a list today of the things that my people-pleasing has taught me. And in gratitude, I thank it for these lessons, even though some of them were like jumping hurdle after hurdle after hurdle on a track. <laughs> and um, some of them were like pulling teeth, like it just uh, was a long, arduous lesson to learn. And of course, you know, none of the uh, chapters are closed on these particular things that I've learned. I'm just still in a, in a process of moving through using my people-pleasing to help teach me what is right for me and where I stand on things. But also, I have to recognize I have been on the path for a little bit, and I do have a little bit of recovery under my belt. And so I'm grateful. And yeah, so here they are. Okay. One, connection. I have learned a lot about connection through people-pleasing because I know I value connection. And now I know 
that it needs to be a safe connection and a strong connection. Like I'm not going to take any old connection (laughs) with someone right now. And I'm not going to fool myself that being an acquaintance with somebody means being connected, right? I have a lot crisper, clearer template for my relationships now. And I recognize that building really strong and safe connections with people and lasting connections with people takes time. So I'm in here for the building of it. And I am willing to put in the work and take those little bits of time and and have them accumulate to a relationship because I know that the type of connection I have with people is so valuable to me. This next one, no matter how hard you try, some people just won't like you. (laughs) And some people actually aren't likable, no matter how hard you try to figure them out or try different things to see if that's really how you can come together and connect and share something in common. You know, no matter how nice you are, no matter how understanding you are, I will change that to an I, no matter how much I tried to show up for people and be the type of person that they would want to know more about and spend more time with. Yeah, sometimes it just didn't work. And I have a lot less attachment to things working out um, than I used to, which is which is nice. It feels a little bit more fluid. And I can appreciate that I've tried in the past. And I can also appreciate that some folks just weren't into me <laughs> because that was probably the universe saying, don't don't waste your time trying to prove yourself to these particular folks. So I also give myself permission to not like everybody. I always thought that as a as a nice person, as a caring person, as an understanding person, that that meant I was supposed to find something in every person that I could relate to or that I could understand or that I could, yeah, connect with. There's that word again. But you know, I don't have to. (laughs) I don't have to do that anymore. There are just some people that aren't my cup of tea, and that is completely fine. Friends. So if you've been around for a little bit, you know I did several shows on Friends, several episodes. And yeah, Friends, there's still a lot to dive into here. Uh, But for the sake of this particular episode, the category of Friends, I am no longer going to settle for crappy friends. (laughs) I am allowing myself to have high standards for the people that I choose to be in my life and in my circle. And I just want to underscore and highlight that we do have a choice about the people that are around us. And you really just don't have to put up with bullshit just to not feel alone. And believe me, I know that feeling alone and feeling lonely is is a difficult experience to go through. So I'm not saying like, oh, just figure out how to be alone and you're okay. But I am allowing myself to not put up with less than standard um, (laughs) uh, experiences with people. I'll say that. You know, I spent a lot of time trying to gather numbers of people around me and I have realized in regards to friends that quality over quantity is where it's at. 
at least for me. And I am extremely fortunate and grateful to have about five to seven people that I regularly engage with and that I enjoy and that um, I feel connected to. Yeah. And so that feels doable to me. Also, one thing that people pleasing has taught me about friendships is that just because we started off uh, as friends in this particular area of our lives, in this particular time in our lives, I don't have to keep that relationship afloat. I don't have to keep it on life support, if you will. People can outgrow me and I can outgrow them. And that doesn't diminish the time that we had together. It just is the way it goes. So as I have gone into more of a recovery space around people-pleasing and not having to give, give, give all the time and try to make somebody else happy and like like me and be flexible and easygoing because I'm not, (laughs) that's the truth, I have realized that it's okay. It's okay for friendships to actually come to an end. Um, It doesn't mean that I'm a bad person or I'm not likable or I wasn't available enough to to the other person. It's okay. Things have beginnings and endings. Guilt. So guilt is such a booger for us people pleasers. And what I've learned through my people pleasing about guilt is that it is a hard emotion to feel and I can also get through it. It's it's like the emotion of disappointment. It stings, guilt lingers, right? But it also moves on. And there have been many times that I have let guilt make decisions for me. And it's been sort of a impulsive, reactive decision because that feeling of guilt is so difficult to experience. And so what I've learned is that if I slow down when, I, when I'm starting to feel guilty and I kind of ride the wave of that emotion and I see it to its end, or at least I just ride it through and I'm not reactive right when it shows up for me, then I'm able to understand that it comes with saying no, or it comes with setting a boundary and that the upside of setting a boundary overshadows so much that initial sting of guilt that I want to get away from, which would normally make me say yes. What I've learned is that if I can let the guilt move through me like a wave, and I can actually make the decision, set the boundary, whatnot, in a way that takes care of myself, instead of always making sure the other person is okay, then I can actually live with guilt. It doesn't um, flood me anymore because I feel the freedom of that boundary setting. I feel the consequences of that boundary setting. And those feelings are so much more positive for my system um, that now guilt doesn't have as much of a knee-jerk reaction to get me to say yes when I really mean no. And saying yes when I really meant no led 
me to feeling a lot of resentment. So resentment is the next thing on my list of what people pleasing has taught me. There are very clear signs and signals around the emotion of resentment, at least in my experience of it. And recognizing how powerful the signals of tightness and anger are to me personally, like I've spent a lot of time really using my mindfulness techniques to say, what's going on inside right now? Like I am feeling rage or I am feeling like I'm not breathing at all for like a while now. (laughs) Like why am I so tight and tense and holding? And really recognizing how powerful those body signals are as a way of guiding me and informing me that I'm over the limit, right? Or somebody is stepping over my limits, my boundaries, pushing my limits. And I, you know, I still have some calcified resentments that I hold on to and they do bring me down. So I'm just realizing lately how toxic that calcification is, like how much I've held on to resentments because I felt guilty and I said yes when I meant no and I was doing things for people that really weren't connected to me and I was doing things for people just to try to keep them around so that I would have lots of numbers of friends, (laughs) you know, like all the stuff that I've been telling you about so far, like the resentment And the way that it showed up in my body and my emotions, I'm really noticing how toxic it is to my joy. And that might sound hokey, but it just, all of that just really drains me. And so I am learning from my people pleasing that when I monitor my guilt, when I take a look at who I'm trying to stay connected to and what I'm doing to connect to them, if there's, you know, these powerful signs and signals of resentment I'm going to let them tell me what's going on. I'm going to let them guide me to maybe make different decisions so that I don't continue to collect like resentment after resentment. And if I don't keep stacking up new resentments, then I can actually go back to those old, old calcified resentments and start trying to kind of break them up, which is helpful for me because I'm tired of lugging around old anger. I don't know about you, but... I am. Okay, the next one is being understood. I think I've come to the conclusion that being understood is overrated (laughs) for the majority of people in my circle. Like there are a few relationships, you know, intimate, close relationships where being understood is a key piece to connecting and to building and deepening the relationship. But As a people pleaser, there were so many times when I needed somebody to understand my reasons for something. I would make excuses, not like I was lying, but I would just share the reason I couldn't do something. So this is maybe if I had to say no, you know, like if I was, uh, you know, had um, a fever and I couldn't go do the thing that you needed me to do, I would explain to you like, oh, I've been in bed for three days. And I just, I thought that I would feel better by today, but I just can't. And I'm so sorry that you're going to have to find something, blah, 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 right? Like I needed to be understood so badly that I would just keep 
trying to put it out there to people for them to finally go, it's okay, I understand, or that makes complete sense, no problem. Like I needed people to let me off the hook for my no, for my boundary setting. And honestly, I just I just don't think it matters to a lot of people. Like I'm not saying people don't care, right? And that can't be part of just that sort of back and forth dialogue about, you know, something, a conversation you're having, you know, you can't just start going, you know what, I'm never going to explain myself again. (laughs) But I don't think as a people pleaser, I am as hooked and am in need of being understood as I used to, because I just started to realize that once people hear that you can't do something for them or help them in some way, they kind of move on. And again, it doesn't mean that they're being jerks. It's just, you know, explaining why you can't do something is kind of like wasted time and energy. So I just let myself off the hook from being understood because it was it was a big deal to me. I always wanted someone to listen to the reasons why I thought the things that I did. But yeah, I don't think I'm putting that onto other people as much anymore. And it this leads me into the next one because I, I think about needing people to understand me when I say something like, I'm sorry, I can't do this right now. Like I've been in bed for three days with a fever. Like you can just tell somebody I don't feel well. Like you don't have to go into the story. But this led me to sorry. This led me to thinking about apologies and how much that has changed in the course of my recovery and my path and recovery to people pleasing. Sorry. (laughs) Oh my God. I think it was the first episode of the podcast. I talked about unnecessary apologies. And so speaking of apologizing, right? I think that what I've learned to do is cut down on apologizing and saying, I'm sorry, like about 75% of of what I used to. Because I'm actually not sorry for the things that I used to be sorry for. Uh, Like in the grocery store, if I need to reach around somebody and get something, it's not like I'm elbowing them out of the way and I'm a jerk now, but I just don't have to preface my reaching with, oh, I'm sorry, I just needed to get an orange. I just say, excuse me. And that's the way it goes. Like I just, like I have almost become, I almost have an aversion to the word sorry right now. And that's just where I am in my people-pleasing recovery. But I also think about saying thank you, right? So sorry, or thank you, thank you so much, you know, like being effusively thankful for them holding the door for you or something. I just, I feel like my people-pleasing has taught me that it's just unnecessary energy, right? It just falls flat, Like I could say, excuse me, or thanks, and move on, right? That person's moving on with their day. I don't need to impress strangers that hold the door open for me. I don't need to have somebody that's standing in front of the oranges think I'm a nice person, this weird, you know, stupid stranger in public. Like I don't need that person to think I'm kind. That is a waste of my energy. And that's what people pleasing has taught me. So I'm just toning down the over-the-top saying I'm sorry, (laughs) saying thank yous. 
And that's it. That's it so far of what I've, my people pleasing has taught me what I've learned by spending more time with my people pleasing and relaxing my nervous system around, yeah, like, oh, it feels so good to be liked. But as I work with my people pleasing, like I realize that hustle to be liked is really jacked up my nervous system. So as I work with myself and as I am kind of on to the feelings I have, the sensations I have, the thoughts I have, I realize like, you know what? I can let a lot of this just relax back, just sort of dissolve into the ethers and I am still standing and I'm all right. And I don't think my people pleaser is the forward-facing Vicky that everybody meets these days. So I wanted to share that with you all. I hope some of that um, resonated. And yeah, so I will see you next week with another amazing, invigorating topic on people pleasing and perfectionism. Take it easy. And yeah, maybe don't say I'm sorry so much in the next week. And yeah, just see how that feels. All right. (laughs) Talk to you later. Hey, I bet you are avoiding saying no and setting a boundary. I used to too. One of the reasons why is because I wanted people to still think I was nice. I wanted people to know that even though I couldn't do something for them, that that didn't mean that I was selfish and uncaring and yeah, all the bad stuff. Well, I figured out a way to say no nicely. And I put a little something together for you. It's a mini course. It's called How to Say No Nicely. And I walk you through this three-step boundary sandwich formula. It will allow you to still keep your sweet demeanor and also start to stealthily set those boundaries. So hit the link in the show notes, get all the details. And I can't wait to hear what it's like for you now that no is an option. All right. Peace out, friends. Later. Hey, thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about me and how I work, please go to www.powertothepleasers.com. And if you want to get even more special attention, get on the mailing list. It's not fluff. It's not going to waste your time. It's always intentional and educational. So I'll see you there. Later. Later.